0: Welcome back. I say that every time, but you know what? I'm going to say something different this time. Howdy, y'all.
1: Hey. And by the way, yeah, why say welcome back if they haven't been here before?
0: Well, that could be true, but we always hope that everybody returns to us. So maybe we can just, uh, that's positive thinking. It's
1: got to be every, it's a first time for everyone.
0: See? Okay. Well, there you go. Well, welcome all the new people. Welcome to the show. <laughs> I'm Matt. Hello. I'm What's Matt. Up, Matt? It's good to see you. This is Matt Min, the podcast. Yes, it is. We've got uh, multiple technologies going today. I see Matt's beautiful face. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's, almost,
1: it's almost too much for my brain.
0: I know. And our audio is looking good. We fixed the left-right problem, and uh, we are cooking good. with, uh, what do they call it, gasoline? Is that what they say? Propane. Okay, fine. Propane, gasoline. I've heard it both you ways. You know what Hank Hill says?
1: <laughs> Hank Hill says, taste the meat, not the heat. <laughs>
0: That is smart. I so that. I've yeah. got a lot of talk to talk about this week. Let's try that again. A lot to talk about this week. Where shall we begin? Yes. Let us begin how, with. How about something totally music related?
1: Uh, movie related music.
0: Music. We all love a great soundtrack. Let's talk a little bit Not about score. soundtracks. Not scores. Not scores. Yes. First of all, that's very important distinction. We just want uh, soundtracks. Yeah. scores. That could be something wildly different in another show that we'll talk about. The reason, the impetus, as it were, for this, I watched Can't Hardly Wait this last week. The great coming-of-age film from 1998. Matt, how you feel? Well, I'm glad
1: to see you're fact? spending your time wisely.
0: <laughs> I always spend my time wisely. But the soundtrack to that movie got me thinking. What great soundtracks have we had in our lifetime? Now, I submit to you two well, Third Eye Blind songs in one movie. That's a lot. Oh, God.
1: Well, I'll say this. Um, I, it, I think we almost have to disqualify two filmmakers right off the bat. Okay. Tarantino and Scorsese because pretty much every one of their movies is kind of known for the music. That is true. Like, um, can you imagine Goodfellas without all of those songs?
0: No. But, you know, right. sometimes maybe he should not always use the
1: one Rolling Stones song. That'd be nice. It's not just him. It's not just him.
0: I agree. It's just give him a hard time. We love you.
1: Oh, I forgot about the best one when you were making the list. I'm going to throw out the best one ever.
0: Well, that's impossible because the bodyguard oh, is the best ever. But you go for it.
1: No. Oh, Brother, where are thou?
0: Okay, talk to us about this movie.
1: I don't think I've actually seen this okay. movie. You've never seen Oh, Brother? No. Okay, well, it came out in 2000. It's a soundtrack that's basically um, old-timey classics, so a lot of bluegrass, uh, like contemporary, not, not contemporary, but old-timey country, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like before you could even classify it as country. Um, and it's a soundtrack that was so popular, it was number one for basically like half a year. It sold incredibly well, and everywhere I went in L.A. my first uh, year in college, like you heard it everywhere. Uh, and, you yeah. know, we don't typically expect to go through stores in, you know, uh, North Hollywood while listening to Bluegrass.
0: It was such an impactful, I mean, didn't it get Grammy uh, yeah. Awards? Wasn't it up for some of those? Yeah, I think it won for Man of *Constant Sorrow. And that is impressive, because there's not many soundtracks that can do that. Like, for example, The no. Bodyguard. <laughs> now, The Bodyguard. We well we talk about it a lot because it's an important movie. But I think it's very important now because that movie is nothing without that soundtrack. I mean, the soundtrack everything about that movie go, and that's thanks to well, that's the only thing that people
1: know from the movie.
0: That's true, but I can tell you every scene from the movie. But that's beside the point.
1: But um, you know, we we can't talk about soundtracks unless we talk about the granddaddy. Hit me the one that kind of invented that invented the use of. Music in this way in a movie. And that's American Graffiti, which still has one of the best soundtracks of all time. Like, I mean, it's just perfection. If you've ever been to Mel's, you know, you've you've heard it all.
0: Now, I feel like there's more of that story. So give us a little bit of background how that ended up uh, being a quintessential soundtrack movie.
1: Well, basically, when they pitched this movie to people, it was such a novel concept that they were going to have all these songs, but people weren't going to be singing, them. they're just going to be. Like playing on radios in the background, mm-hmm. they actually had to pitch it to them as it's a musical, but you're not going to sing.
0: That is and I believe um,
1: what was it? A uh, music supervisor was uh, that credit. I believe was created for the movie.
0: That is unbelievable. I mean,
1: it's food, true, yeah,
0: but it's unbelievable.
1: So you know, you've got Lucas, you know, already changing the art form of uh, film before he even thought about Star Wars, right? He's pretty good, that guy. And the funny thing is, yeah. And the funny thing is that whole movie was basically done on a dare. Um, he was, I think it was uh, a Coppola who said, I bet you can't make just a, uh, a fun uh, teen comedy. And that's what he made.
0: One of the ones that yeah. I think uh, maybe just more towards our generation, but Dangerous Minds, that soundtrack yes. and the Coolio song that followed was everywhere, about everything
1: for so six months. Well, that's the thing. It's, I don't think it's so much the whole soundtrack is that one specific song, you know, and I think that's probably the closest thing to uh, um, a stairway to heaven that we've had in our lifetime, you know, where it's yes. just like that just encapsulates that entire crime.
0: There's nobody that doesn't know that song. It was everywhere on MTV. Coolio and that hair of his appeared on every show. I'm, that one the song sold $40 ago. million dollars of tickets to that movie, without question.
1: Yeah, it did, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Especially since they got Michelle Pfeiffer to be in the music video. Have we ever talked
0: about Garden State on wax? Have we ever had this conversation? I'm going to throw it to you first, and then we'll bring it back to me for the uh, correct answer. But how do you feel about garden, garden State as far as the soundtrack goes?
1: I've actually never seen it.
0: Wow. Drop in, it, it, sad it, it news.
1: It was a little too for me, and people were a little too into it. So I'm like, ah, I okay.
0: Your stuck-upness kept you away.
1: I hear you. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. it.
0: What else you got on it that did. list?
1: But then again, it was also the same kind of people that went crazy for Nulon Rouge that were going crazy for it and I hated New Rouge. So I was like, oh, if they're like that, I'm, I'm okay with that.
0: Well, that's ridiculous. Uh, Almost Famous, that's one of the ones on the soundtrack list that was so important to Cameron Crowe that the first shot of the movie is picking through <laughs> records and then like, it took him a month to figure out what order the records were going to go into.
1: I, I was actually about to say, I think the, the music was more important to him than the actual script, because the movie itself, like as a film, I don't think holds up as well as thought it would when it first came out. But the soundtrack's still great, and anytime someone our age hears "Tiny Dancer," they're going to think of one of two things: they're going to think of "Hold Me Closer," Tony Danza, or they're going to think of that scene from Almost Famous.
0: Yes, the Almost Famous scene. I will think of that way. I shall sing it now. No, I'm just kidding. We can't afford that.
1: No, no, don't. Um, Yes, And I, I've, I've got to mention, you have a Scarface on here. I do. And I think that's another case where the uh, the soundtrack is definitely better than the movie. Because <laughs> the movie's uh, not good. It's
0: probably the best ever. That's true. So um, in the 90s, I believe, um, some rappers got together and tried to redo the soundtrack for Scarface to update oh, yeah. it. Uh, I think that may be one of the few films, if the only film in history that's ever done that. Yeah. That's kind that's of weird. That's
1: that actually I, I don't think would be, uh, that, that wouldn't be a bad remake now.
0: No, I definitely think you could do that. Um, so we got 30 now, years I, left. Here's the movies
1: All the movies oh, we the movies we've talked about are fairly old. Like, we're talking like 17, 18 years. Yes. But there are two movies, thankfully, are carrying this torch of great soundtracks forward, and Guardians of the Galaxy.
0: Has just blown it out of the water with that.
1: Yeah, they have. Yeah, when I saw the, the track list for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 before the movies came out, I'm like, there's some odd selections. And then you're in the theater watching it, and they're going to, you know, the club you know, And it starts playing George Harrison's My Sweet Lord. It's like, well, this is just heavenly. Pun intended.
0: Absolutely. And what's the other one?
1: Oh, that's why I was going to say those two. Oh, I Guardians agree. of the Galaxy Volume 1 and 2. Because they didn't drop the ball. You know, it was just as good. Any love for Baby Driver? Um... As important as music is to the movie, um, I'm I'm not going to say it has a great soundtrack considering it's mostly like mashups, you know? Right. Uh, So it's kind of like they're making their own thing. So it's nothing like I I saw the movie and was like, well, I got to listen to this again. You know, I I felt that way when I saw Drive, you know, but not Baby Driver. So uh,
0: soundtracks, they're awesome. Can you still buy soundtracks? You have a whole collection of soundtracks in your music. Uh, Is that a fact?
1: Oh, yeah. Yes, I do.
0: Matt's library is filled that's with them. Kind of
1: exclusively, that's exclusively like what I bought in the 90s.
0: Nothing wrong with that. Speaking of 90s, or something to that effect, Brian De Palma <laughs> has a mad, weird, <laughs> odd, strange, peculiar new movie coming out. And let's talk a little bit about the man, the myth, the legend that is Brian De Palma. First of all, where does he stand in your director pantheon?
1: Man, I don't know. Like, he's literally all over the place because, you know, for everything that he does that's amazing, like, you know, I love Carrie, you know? Yes. You have something like Scarface, which is probably his most famous movie, I'm going to say, but it's also, like, it, it's utter trash, but I think it was supposed to be that way. Yes. You know, but he also has Black Dahlia, which is crazy. Mission to Mars, which isn't, like, great, but I, I kind of enjoy. Um, the first Mission Impossible, which nobody remembers. <laughs> and mm. that one actually, I think, has been has been remembered a little more positively because when it first came out, people didn't like it as much as they like it now. But I kind of like his early stuff. Um, I really dig Phantom of the Paradise, and that's a weird flick, man.
0: Uh, where do you stand on uh, Blowout? Is that his best?
1: Um, I would. I, I, I think Carrie is probably his best, or Carlito's way. i um, got nothing against Blowout, but he's got this really weird ability to make terrible, trashy movies seem better than they are, like The Untouchable.
0: Oh, without a doubt. And that's what he loves to do. He loves to make people uncomfortable. He loves to make madness, I think, sometimes. Uh, This new movie that people have talked about have not talked about it in very glowing ways. Uh, They definitely think it's a mess in some ways. I literally haven't heard of it until until you told me. Exactly, that's the other thing. Until you you told me about
1: it, I didn't know that it was coming out. And it's like, oh, Jamie Lannister's in this. I don't care. Tell people
0: Brian De Palma his history. I mean, he is connected with the greats. He, him and Spielberg and Scorsese and all these guys who are making films together, supporting each other, doing all that stuff. Tell the people how intricate he was to that team.
1: Well, I don't, well, I don't think he's as, as intricate as um, like the main three, you know, when you have sure. Coppola, Spielberg, and Scorsese. Mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of consider him in the same vein as John Milius, where he probably had more influence behind the scenes than we, we see, you know? Right. Like, there were probably a lot of dinners or lunches where he said, oh, this would be cool, and it ended up in the movie. Because if you take a look at his canon, he's got, he's got a lot of famous stuff that just isn't as good as the other guys. But everyone talks about him as being one of the all-time greats. So I don't know. Like he's a really kind of I'm I, I feel conflicted about him and his work. I don't have anything against him. Like there's nothing of his that I see and I'm like, oh that and that that's nah, uh, that's crap. But the '80s um,
0: affect him, the filmmaker, in the sense that when you are making films in the '80s, there were certain things, there were certain parameters that were so '80s that you can't get out of that. Did that? Did that uh, hurt him
1: at all? Um, Probably because if you take a look at what he did in the 80s, they're not very 80s-ish, you know, Um, except for maybe Scarface. Um, But he also didn't do a whole hell of a lot during the 80s. You know, Scarface was 83, right, body double, wise guys, untouchables, when no one remembers wise guys. Um, And then he didn't do anything else, yeah, until, you know, Raising Kane and Carlito's Way, and those were the early 90s. You know, so it's not like Spielberg where he just, cranking like out cranking out like two movies a year, you know?
0: Yeah, he was more towards the um, Trio Life guy, uh, Malik than uh, Spielberg.
1: Yeah, although he's not going like 19 years between movies, but yeah. <laughs> right.
0: His documentary uh, is one of my favorite film documentaries. Just him talking about the his experiences. He goes through each one of his films, how they approached it, the problems that the studio gave. Uh, De Palma does not pull any punches. He is brutally honest at all times, and always will be happy to share his opinion on some done crap that they've done to him over the years, dumbed down his films, <laughs> taken away money from him, misunderstood him, like the uh, shot from Carrie, the bloodshot.
1: He had yeah.
0: to push tooth and nail to get that shot done, because it didn't make sense, so nobody wanted to shoot it.
1: That's like That's the whole crux of the movie, though.
0: Exactly. And that's what he told them. And everybody's like, uh, eh, this is too expensive. What are you doing moving this camera through that way? That's not going to make any sense. And he's like, look, this is a thriller. This is how this works. If you let me do this, well, I'm going to do this, whether you like it or not. But when it happens, it's going to be bri- brilliant. And it was. Oh, my God. I forgot he did that, Snake Eyes. I, I had
1: never heard, I, I'd never heard that. I cannot imagine anyone looking at that and saying, hey, yeah, that's the one shot we need to lose. Because <laughs> literally the whole... The whole third act depends on that.
0: That's the studio for you. That was them.
1: Speaking of third acts.
0: Oh, oh, hang on. Yes, that was a perfect segue. You nailed that. But I'm going to step on it to remind everybody to watch (laughs) Snake Eyes. So good. I love it. Okay. (laughs) Now back to your transition. Third acts. Movies have them. Some movies have really bad ones. Some don't have any. Some (laughs) have any at all. Yes, that is so true. So let's talk about them. Some of our favorite movies with no third acts this came up we always have a reason for bringing things up matt got to see godzilla this (laughs) week
1: yeah godzilla king of the monsters i went to go see it with my oldest daughter and um i'm gonna spoil the hell out of it for everybody uh do you mind matt no go for it okay so godzilla is fighting king Ghidorah, right the the three-headed giant monster and that thing's controlling all the other monsters so Godzilla finally kills King Ghidorah and all the monsters walk around him and bow and he looks up into the sky and yells and it just cuts to the title card at the end. And then as the credits start rolling, they put up like newspaper clippings about like this happened and then this happened. And it's like, oh, that would have been a great third act. But the way it is, there's zero third act, like not even like Spielberg, Jurassic Park. We've got four minutes to not have any dialogue and just have people look at each other, third act. I mean, right. there is none. And when it cut to that title card, I started laughing really hard. And my daughter was looking at me very confused. She like, said, What's funny, daddy? And it's like, they just straight up ended. Like, they just shut the movie off. And like, remember, remember Lethal Weapon 2? It's like, oh, I do. You can't shoot me. I have diplomatic immunity. Immunity revoked. Bam. Go to the credits. Where it's like, Wait, how do you get out of this pickle? Because they just caused a whole bunch of trouble by shooting this guy and they the way they dealt with it was to not deal with it this had less of a third act and like the seriously the time between him killing king Ghidorah and the credits rolling might be like a minute <laughs> maybe that is ridiculous like it's just enough time for these things to walk up to him and bow it's ridiculous
0: so there's a lot of reasons that movies don't have 30 acts uh one uh they're lazy Uh, Two, they never wrote one and they're writing the script on the fly and it never came together. But I think sometimes they have grand notions about what the third act is going to be. The Dark Knight Rises, I think, was one of those. That third act didn't ruin the movie. It certainly makes it for a less good rewatch. The third act where everybody's on the boat and it's the whole thing who's going to blow up the boat? It did not work. At all?
1: Oh, the dark. You said Dark Knight Rises. Yes, sorry. You mean the Dark Knight? Yes, yes. Sorry, guys. Okay, I was very confused. Um, that at least had like. I really didn't have one. Yeah, it was a cop out ending. Yeah, the, sa- the second, did. the second, uh, the second, the uh, second. What's his name? Two Face is dead. Yes. It just like cuts to Batman like writing off. Yeah, you're right. So weird. Um,
0: casino is one. Yeah, on, I'm just trying to read what you wrote here. No, I,
1: I, I no, I'm going to fight you on that. Casino basically has like a 20-minute third act where it wraps up literally everybody's story. The problem with Casino is that it doesn't have a three-act structure. It has like 12 acts.
0: That's fair. Uh, it's the relationship that really did it in for me. And again, it's not terrible, so it doesn't ruin the movie. I like Casino more than Goodfellas. But the third act with the whole love, eh, I don't know. It didn't work for me. It didn't work at all. Um, I think that we can say beyond a shadow of a doubt that M. not Shyamalan has never written a third act that worked?
1: Oh, God, no, no. Does he
0: just stop? Does he just write stop writing at 60 pages?
1: Well, it's kind of, it, when I started college, I really liked uh, Unbreakable, and I showed my roommate because he hadn't seen it yet, and the second it was over, he turned to me, he's like, what the hell was that? That was, that was one act. I'm like, well, yeah, he said he wanted to make like one act of, you know, a superhero trilogy, like that's the first act. And he's like, yeah, it still needs an ending, like nothing happened, it was all exposition. I'm like, oh, crap, yeah. That was two hours of exposition. Uh, no, he doesn't write third acts, He writes a twist, and that's it. What oh. oh.
0: yeah. went on there? I'm curious. Do you know the movie Cadillac Man? Robin Williams? Tim Robbins?
1: Man, I I haven't seen it uh, probably since high school. I don't remember anything about it.
0: I haven't seen it in 10 years, but it made such an impact on me because there was no third act. They are ramping up in the second <laughs> act, and then it just ends. Just completely just... Psh, just ends it was the weirdest viewing experience very funny no third act at all it wasn't even that they put a fake one there there just wasn't one one.
1: Oh, the matrix uh the matrix reloaded was like that it literally ended on a bum 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 no third act
0: <laughs> uh we talked last action hero before um i think we agreed that the <laughs> third act falls apart because they had too many characters
1: yeah and introducing death the last minute was kind of weird i'll give you that
0: and too many Although characters play,
1: like it was oh, go ahead Way too many. Well, uh, I mean, too many he, characters, he has the two characters basically two villains. No, that didn't have a third act either. It's the idea that they have well, to I mean, do it, this big fight. The third act is like three minutes long.
0: Yeah, I'm tired of the big fights. Can't we just stop that? Can we pretend like we have them?
1: Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, mind that. Third acts? What else you got? Um, basically, every Spielberg movie, um, he doesn't do long third acts. They're usually fairly silent, um, or they wrap things up very quickly, like Minority Report. Funny thing about that, There was a rumor going around when that movie came out that they had changed the dialogue, the the voiceover at the very end. Um, Basically, what happened was it's as you see it, and there was an extra line at the end. You know, they wrap up everybody's story, everybody's happy, and it's ended well. And then they had an extra line at the end where it said, in the next year in Washington, D.C., there were 246 murders, or something like that. Right. And it really leaves you on a, oh, well, these. Four people are doing well, but those other three hundred are dead. So that's a problem. Maybe it was better the other way. Maybe the fascism was better, and they took it out because it was too much of a, a thinker. You know. Um, yeah. Personally, I like that ending, um, and I think that would have been better. But if we're going to talk about Spielberg's third endings, we have to talk about the most infamous one and the one that is not his fault. Kid me AI. Ah, uh, yes. AI. Everyone complains the aliens at the end are dumb which means they weren't paying attention because first of all, they're not aliens. They're robots. Second of all, it's not a happy ending. They're basically euthanizing David. You know, they're giving him this one last thing that probably isn't even real. They're lying to him and then they're going to shut him down. So it's really sad. And then Teddy's just left there. <laughs> um, and the problem is everyone, and you know Spielberg came in and talked with us uh, right after the movie came out.
0: Name drop. And
1: he was complaining that, yeah, and he was complaining that you know, everyone was blaming him for ruining the movie with his tacked on sentimental ending. And he's like, no, this was written and storyboarded by Stanley. I was doing it for him. And now everybody hates me for it. And it was really bothering him. Like, he got a little emotional because, you know, he was doing this for his friend and his friend's legacy. I'm just glad that, you know, 18 years later, people are finally seeing that it's a brilliant film. But it's a very misunderstood ending. And when you take a look at it the way it needs to be looked at, you realize oh, this isn't happy at all. Did Dude,
0: Where's My Car, have a third act? (laughs) Didn't see it. Ah, too bad, too bad. Third acts, put one in there. We always give you guys recommendations, but this week we thought we'd share you some current recommendations that would be hitting the streaming services this month. Our new segment, it's called, I don't know, streaming services that we recommend. Boom, nailed it. Matt,
1: (laughs) let's start. Yeah, nice. I'm actually going to – it's not new, but I think I think people are just now catching on to it. I'm going to recommend Pluto. Have you seen Pluto? I have not. It is a free app, and
0: mm-hmm. it has
1: TV no. and no. lots of movies. Yes. They, even, have. they have 24 hours a day of uh, Mystery Science Theater, which is fantastic. They have 24 hours a day of The Asylum. So if you tune in, you might check out one of my movies that I want.
0: <laughs> and they um, have 24 hours of Dog the Bounty Hunter.
1: Oh, the best channel they have. It's my absolute favorite channel. It's 24 hours of um, a camera on the front of trains in Europe going through, like, just mountainsides covered in snow. That's all it is.
0: God, you're such an insomniac. Just
1: a live feed. Yeah, it's fantastic.
0: Unbelievable. It's Uh, parts of the world that we've never seen. Yeah, that's true. Prime has some new offerings this uh, week. One of which, I think we've talked Elephant before on the show, haven't we? Yes. Okay. Uh, that is available for the first time in a while on, uh, on oh, the yeah. site. Uh, that is not an uplifting movie. I would say that it's a, no. a great film.
1: Um, I don't know if I'd say great, but uh, it's left an impact.
0: It is an impactful film. That is for sure. Um, of course, everybody knows Criterion Channel is now streaming again. I would highly recommend getting yes. a subscription to that. This month, they've got some classics. Oh, The Times of Harvey Milk. That's a great documentary. Oh, you know what?
1: Let me go ahead and suggest one more thing, if you don't mind. Go for it. Um, Shudder, which does uh, horror movies. It streams horror movies. Mm -hmm. They have one that I watched the other day. It's a film from Brazil called The Night Shifter. About this guy who works the night shift in a morgue in Brazil. Oh, and no, he can good. talk to dead bodies. Yes. And it is awesome. It is good stuff. Have you seen it? Because you're not a horror film guy.
0: Nope. Um, that I was told that Harper told me to uh, watch it. So it It's really good. It's great, isn't it? It creeped me out. Um, I guess dead bodies I can deal with because I grew up, I uh, had to spend a summer working at my grandparents' uh, funeral home. So that's okay. I can deal with that. Oh, geez. Yeah. We'll tell that story some other time. You got really excited about Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, yes? Yes, that is going to be released this next month. I'm very excited about seeing that. I'm too cheap to pay for that in a uh, movie
1: theater, but if uh, Netflix, <laughs> yeah, is you should have TV. seen the theater. It is a visual experience.
0: That and Bob Dylan, new doc about Bob Dylan. I will uh, double feature both of those. I'm very excited about that. Have you uh, read this list at all that I, that I'm talking from the uh, IndieWire list? No. Are you familiar that there is a movie from 1996 called The Watermelon Woman? (laughs) No. (laughs) I love watermelon, man. Is it a takeoff of that, I wonder? I don't know. Well, I think we should watch that. That sounds amazing. God, I'm going to have to go
1: back and rewatch Elephant.
0: Yes, you talked about um, the Kevin movie last week. (laughs) The Elephant movie is almost equal to that.
1: Yeah, I could see. I, I think what really bothered me about Elephant is... You know, it's it's not about Columbine, but it really is. You know. Yes. And it's it, it's a little too real.
0: Ah, okay. I can't argue with that. It definitely is it is a little real. And um, it was I there. People left the theater crying. Uh, in the in the time that I saw it, yeah. and I was pretty horrified. Uh, it was very unsettling. And but I think it needed to be made. And I think that you know that because he had the series of films. You know the last days and that, and then um, Gary, and I really liked mm-hmm. the perspective those kind of films gives. Yeah. yeah, so uh, go stream some stuff this week Netflix, Hulu, yeah, Tyrion, Amazon, they're all there. Talk to us, tell it's, us what you because there's nothing out in the theater right now. Movie theaters, who cares about that? Oh, we do. There's a new movie coming by Tarantino, but maybe even better, he may be working on another movie already. A Django Zorro mashup
1: with Gerard Carver. I doubt this will ever happen. He, I doubt it will happen.
0: Every time he does a movie, there's always stuff like this in the press. Oh, he's gonna do Kill Bill 3. You know, he's gonna do this, and he's with gonna the, do that With to the, the daughter. Yeah.
1: yes, The daughters of Cottonmouth and her are gonna fight each other. But, no.
0: but I think the happen. difference in this one, I think Gerard is leading the charge. I think Tarantino is like in addition to, but I think it's Gerard that's really moving this machine.
1: I don't know. I'll I'll believe it when I see it. It's kind of like him in Star Trek. You know, it just won't happen.
0: I just think that Star Trek is almost definitely going to happen. I think we're about to have two or three new Tarantino things in the next year. Obviously, one that'll never happen. That's coming. (laughs) He did like um, Kill Bill that year. He also did CSI, and I think he did something else. I mean, it's not the same-same, but he's true. done multiple works in one year.
1: Yeah, not when it's uh, his own property. What a bum he is.
0: What a bum. How do you <sighs> feel about Gerard Carmichael? He's probably my favorite comedian working right now. I think he's super genius. His TV show was amazing. Um, yeah, how do you feel?
1: Um, I have no feel- feeling about him either way. I've seen his stuff. I like it. I don't think it's the best.
0: His stand-up special on like, HBO, I'm- it's just... Eight, I believe it's called the way he is uh-huh. able to manipulate the crowd and just own them for the hour that he did it uh, one of my favorite hours of specials so good so now that we've teased you with that teased you excuse me um, with the Tarantino thing that's never going to happen let's tease you with a little bit more recommendations before we go we have flown by the show today this has been good yeah um, I have been watching some things at the house the Ted Bundy tapes I'm going to start there. That's my little recommendation. If you like creepy serial killers that might be sexy, the Ted Bundy tapes is just what you're yeah. looking for.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to go with uh, uh, The Night Shifter because that one was surprisingly good.
0: I am going to watch the Zach Efron Ted Bundy movie. I haven't watched that yet. I just stuck with the tapes at first. So um, that's I like awesome that Netflix. one.
1: I don't think I'm going to watch I don't think I'm going to watch the Zac Efron version.
0: Do you have a problem with Zac Efron? Do we have to fight over this?
1: No, actually, I like him. No, it's um, I just kind of don't like the idea of them trying to deify uh, a monster like that. You know? Mm.
0: Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, so oh, let's have this question or uh, conversation before we go. Then how do you feel about
1: Zodiac? Well, Zodiac isn't so much about the Zodiac. That's the, that's the thing. It's about the people working the Zodiac case. Some you know? people might argue um,
0: that the um, the way that it was shot glorifies the acts that the uh, Zodiac participated in.
1: I don't think it glorifies it. I think it turns it into um, it, it's horrific. Like, of course, with the way uh, uh, Fincher shoots, you know, it looks pretty, but I don't think it glorifies it. You're not getting because here's the thing: um, Zach Efron is a lot. Better looking than Ted Bundy was. Sure. And I think by getting someone like that, they're giving him a little too much, I won't say clout, but they're just making him too appealing and kind of glossing over the fact that he was a monster.
0: Okay. So what they needed to do was get Jeremy Renner before Jeremy Renner was Jeremy Renner. And then when he played the serial killer, that was okay because we didn't know who he was. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So, me, they should have hired me. Why did they not do that?
1: Uh, a lot of reasons. Yeah,
0: probably because that You're did edition. <laughs> Bunch of jerks. Um. Oh, oh. You know what? I'm gonna recommend a book. There's a book this week that I've been reading. Though I don't know the name of the author or the name of the book, but it's new, and it's all about the movie year 1999. It just gives like I think it picks. Oh, that is the best movie year ever. First of all, that's oh yes, there you go. Good job. Best movie year ever. That's the name of the book. Um, talks about 20, 25 different movies.
1: All the sections. Wait, are is this the name of the book? Yeah, it is. I picked it up <laughs> at my library. I, I was. I honestly think it's the best movie year of all time. No. Uh, that and nineteen eighty-nine and nineteen thirty-nine.
0: Okay. Well, nineteen sixty-seven was fantastic, and seventy-two was as well. But you would enjoy reading the book because that's all it's about. Talks to uh, about Fight Club talks about Magnolia. The last chapter is about Magnolia, so obviously you will enjoy that to death.
1: I'd highly recommend it. Dude, Magnolia and Eyes Wide Shut in the same year.
0: Yeah, b- both of those are in there.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, no, 1999 was
0: ridiculous. Yes, hence the book being written about that. Uh, tell the people, um, do you want to uh, give them any hint to what you almost did today and what you are continuing to do, or are we keeping that under wraps?
1: No, that's under wraps.
0: So, haha! teased you guys. You don't know. There's a secret coming, and it's coming <laughs> sometime. Anyways, uh, we've got to the end of the show. We've given you some recommendations. We've talked about some things. I don't think either of us said Netflix today. Yeah, we did. Just streaming. We did. We talked about it. Oh, yeah, the
1: streaming stuff. But we didn't yeah.
0: talk about—yeah, we did that, too. Okay, well— we're How they're the ruining
1: end. Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> or saving it or whatever oh, they're doing oh, yeah. this time.
0: Yeah. What are they doing this week? It's one. It's the other. We'll never know. But we'll keep on working on that on the next episode of the show. This is Matt. This is Matt. And we are out. See you.